live from the WLIWFM studio on Indigenous Peoples Day, Monday, October 9th, 2023. I'm Gianna Volpe. West Hempstead native and Israeli Army reservist Joe Metz is eager to get called up to her adopted country's fight against Hamas. Matthew Chase and Lisa L. Colangelo reporting on Newsday.com that Metz, 22, who moved to Israel in 2019 to join the Army after graduating from high school on Long Island, has been checking her phone waiting a call, a text message, instructions for deployment back to duty for the Israel Defense Forces, for which she was a combat medic. She was released a year and a half ago. Quote, if I can patch up Israeli soldiers and even armed civilians that are meeting these terrorists face to face, if I can send them back to their mothers and their families, that's the least I can do. That's literally what I was trained to do, and that's literally the least I can do for my country, said Metz, who is now friends uh, with friends in Herzliya, an Israeli city on the Mediterranean coast north of Tel Aviv. It is one of the 2,481 people who moved to Israel in 2019 from the U.S., according to the Israel's Central Bureau of Statistics. There is at least one Long Islander who might have been captured by Hamas, according to Matthew Kapp, a spokesperson for Representative Anthony Desposito, the Republican from Island Park, elsewhere in Jerusalem. Saturday's attacks also made for a harrowing experience for tourists like Neil Mordowitz of Woodmere, who was on a trip with his extended family to the city. Last year, there were 810,400 American tourist arrivals in Israel, according to the country's Ministry of Tourism. Mordowitz was with his wife and four children, who range in age from 12 to 20, as well as with his parents and in-laws. The family already had tickets for a return flight to New York. The couple's 18-year-old son, who is studying for a year in Israel, is staying there for now. Quote, people are really scared and they don't know what to do, Mordowitz said. Cap and Kristen Chianchi, uh, spokesperson for Representative Andrew Garbarino, the Republican from Bayport, said both congressmen had constituents trying to return to the United States. In other news, in August, a surveyor for an offshore wind energy company observed two recreational boats pursuing a pair of fin whales off the south shore of Long Island at high speed. The whales, so streamlined and swift, they've been nicknamed the Greyhounds of the Sea, repeatedly zigzagged, but apparently could not get away as the boats chased them for hours. A surveyor reported the boats nearly hit the animals at least three times. Tracy Tulis reporting on Newsday.com that local marine mammal experts say incidents like this have become more common off Long Island shores in recent years as whales spend more time in the region. And they warn that chasing or simply getting too close to a whale can risk serious injury to the whale and to boaters. Harassment of whales is also illegal. The Marine Mammal Protection Act prohibits any act of pursuit, torment, or annoyance that could injure a marine mammal, including dolphins, seals, and sea lions, otters, polar bears, and whales. It also bans acts that can disturb an animal by disrupting behavioral patterns, including migration, breathing, nursing, feeding, uh, breathe, breeding, or sheltering. Violators can face seizure of their boat, civil penalties up to $34,457, as well as criminal fines and up to a year in prison. Uh, NOAA, the agency charged with enforcing the law, patrols 4 million square miles of the vast ocean, and experts suspect most incidents are neither witnessed nor reported. Quote, if you have changed the behavior of the animal, you are far too close. That quote from our friend Maxine Montello, rescue program director for New York Marine Rescue Center in Riverhead, who added, we encourage everyone to observe from a safe distance and not cause any stress to these animals. Staying with marine ecology for this next item, a member of a rare species of dolphin, usually found in mid-temperate, deeper waters, was among a pair of dolphins discovered on South Shore beaches in Suffolk this week, according to the Atlantic Marine Conservation Society, Darwin Gaines and Grant Parpan, reporting on Newsday.com that the Hampton Bay's based organization 
said a male Rhesus dolphin calf was found at Heckscher State Park in East Islip on Friday and a bottlenose dolphin discovered east of, Sh- of Sortham Beach in Babylon on Sunday. It was emaciated and doesn't appear to have been eating. Atlantic Marine Conservation Society Executive Director Robert D. Giovanni said of the Rhesus dolphin calf, an unusual find for the area, it looks like it was a dependent calf. D. Giovanni said the calf had been observed swimming in waters around Heckscher State Park for about 48 hours before it was called in dead. He said, while it's not completely uncommon to find a Rizzo's dolphin in New York waters, they're not typically found in shore. Quote, the interesting thing about Rizzo's to begin with is that they are usually considered more of an offshore species, Di Giovanni said. They're usually up on the shelf break. The bottlenose dolphin discovery in Babylon is less rare, but still an unusual find, he added. At least 17 whales have washed up near the New York, New Jersey region this year, making a record number of dead whales in the area. Finally, Riverhead Town's Anti-Bias Task Force will hold a meet-and-greet to celebrate National Hispanic Heritage Month this coming Wednesday, October 11th. Quint Nigro and RiverheadLocal.com reporting the event is scheduled for Antigua Cafe, uh, Antigua, excuse me, 309 East Main Street in Riverhead. Starting at 6 p.m., Anti-Bias Task Force Chair Mark McLaughlin said there will be complimentary hors d'oeuvres and entertainment McLaughlin said Wednesday's festive occasion will be a good moment for people to learn more about us and take the opportunity to become acquainted with task force members, celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, and understand the task force's goals. Quote, we'd like to be a beacon of hope, he said. The Riverhead Town Anti-Bias Task Force event again Wednesday at 6 p.m. at Antigua Cafe in Riverhead. Reading the weather in Sag Harbor in honor of screenwriter, director Jack Evans and producer Badir Awe joining us to talk Far Tortuga and the event discussing making their ecological thriller in the footsteps of Peter Matheson, which happened yesterday at the church. Looking like a mostly sunny Monday with a high near 61 degrees southwest wind, 9 to 13 miles per hour tonight, a 30 percent Chance of showers mainly after 2 a.m. Uh, tonight, otherwise partly cloudy with a low around 50 degrees. West wind, 7 to 10 miles per hour right now. It's 52 degrees. We've got an av- adventure edition prepared for you. But everything songs kicking off with Leon, uh, Bob Dylan, Billy Eilish, and Rob Bruey. But first, Elliot Smith on WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love. Someone found the future as a statue in a fountain And attention looking backward in a pool of water Wishes with a blue songbird on his shoulder They keep singing over everything Everything means nothing to me Everything means nothing to me Everything means nothing to me song and found my picture in the paper the reflection in the water shouted iron man still trying to salute people from a time when he was everything he's supposed to be everything means nothing to me everything means nothing to me everything means nothing to me everything means nothing
track for the current generation. Lily Allen's Everything's Just Wonderful from the 2006 record All Right Still, leading us toward the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour a little after uh, midnight if you're listening to the replay, and that means it's time for, well, it's usually the medical, well, we're Monday, right? Usually the Medical Monday segment. We're not going to do that. It's a special segment underwritten by Jennifer Benton on Indigenous Peoples Day. Very grateful to, uh, we've got Daniela Kronmeyer from the Peter Matheson Center. We have Jack Owens um, and producer Badir. Oh, oh, Danielle's, Danielle's. Badir. Yeah, Badir, Badir Awe, but you were saying something. Oh, Jack Evans. Evans. Did, Evans. What did I say? Owens. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all okay. right. <laughs> I looked away from the paper. It's okay. You know what? It's so funny. I was splitting my attention too many ways uh, the other day when I was doing an interview, and I was talking about a World War II film, and I said World War One, <laughs> and in the same kind of a moment. Apologies, Jack <laughs> Evans and producer Badir Awe joining us to talk Far Tortuga and the adapting Far Tortuga event at the church in Sag Harbor yesterday. How did it go, Daniela? It was fantastic. It was a sold-out show. I want to say thank you so much to everyone at the church for making it possible. Um, it was a beautiful event. Uh, we screened, Jack and his team screened the trailer for Far Tortuga. Um, and then Jack gave an amazing presentation about you know his life as a a journalist and um, you know living around the world and his observations and then about the process of making the film. And then we actually had two of the actors from the film here from Manhattan who did a fantastic stage reading performance. So, so let's talk to. Let's talk about the film. This follows the lives of the last turtleman of the Cayman Islands. Tell us everything, Jack. How did, how did you find the story um, and start making this film? Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating tale. Um, Far Tortuga was a book written by Peter Matheson right there in Sagaponic in 1975 after he went on uh, one of these last turtling expeditions, this, this hunt for green turtles that subsistence hunters were pursuing out of Grand Cayman for hundreds of years towards the end of the Age of Sail and in the onrush of modernity. They, they went on one more expedition down to Nicaragua, and this American journalist was there for it. What he brought back, he was on assignment for The New Yorker, but what he brought back was this really stirring sort of mythologized bit of anthropology uh, of the type that he was so skilled at in his day. Um, and it makes for this riveting narrative of how how nine men stuck on a boat together from all different angles of Caribbean heritage end up sort of negotiating their spiritual fears and concerns because they know 
that they're hunting something nearly to extinction. Right. Right. They love these animals because their entanglement with them. They rely on them. It's like a UN meeting yeah. on a boat. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> because there's so many different sides to this thing. Yeah, it's like I call it like it's like twelve angry men, but it's nature and and the question of God itself is the thing that's on trial. It's a really dramatic interesting conversation about fear and belief that occurs in the context of a proper thrilling adventure story so the book is 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 so exciting i read it when i was a kid and yeah uh, you got to tell me about where you so you read it when you were a kid i wanted to ask my next question was where were you in life in space when you read yeah i was gr i was growing up in the rather boring suburbs of knoxville tennessee reading everything i could about wow. the outside world so you were <laughs> landlocked as well indeed yes i can't even swim but <laughs> but i was so inspired by this novel of seafaring because it seemed like such a such a you know eye romantic that kind of yes. thing but it's also it, what's great about matheson's work is he he kind of helped kill that romantic exaggeration out of literature because he really cared for stories from the ground or from the sea in this case. So this is something that really informed your personhood and how you developed. Exactly. And and that and other works by Peter Matheson and similar writers put me on a journalistic path that took me to Africa, to Europe, and then eventually to the Caribbean to kind of find out how real is this story. And, you know, as Badir can attest to. Yes, um, I was just about to tap you into the ring and ask how you guys... Uh, connected together and uh, went about making this film. Yeah, so we met earlier this year in the Cayman Islands, and it was January, February, and the head of the film commission connected us, told me this filmmaker is coming to Cayman, you got to meet him, he wants to do a film about Cayman, and so we met, and that was it, I was hooked. I'd never heard of Far Tortuga before, and uh, since then I've read Jack's script, and I've read the novel, and I'm in 100%, it's an amazing novel. So tell us more about yourself. Uh, I'm a filmmaker okay. in the Cayman Islands. Uh, I have a production services company there. So we work with shoots that fly into Cayman. And so most of our clients will fly in from New York or L.A. or Toronto to do a reality show, a commercial film, something like that. And, um, you know, Jack this hit, is a hit the this shores. This is a little bit different. Uh, right? This is than a little you, different. Yeah, than yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, is usually this is a, shot this is there an, on the island. Uh, Yes, it is. It is. I mean, this is an independent film that we're fundraising for, actively fundraising for. Whereas typically the shoots that we get are, you know, there's already a budget, and you know they come and they shoot. So this is kind of uh, building a movie up from the ground up. So where can people go first of all if they want to support the film? So you can uh, track down our production studio, which is called Another World Entire Productions. Our web address is anotherworldentire.com. Our Instagram handle is anotherworldentire. And on this path, we've gotten connected, you know, with folks in Cayman. We did a short film in Belize that's currently on the festival circuit. Cool. You can watch a trailer for Far Tortuga concept trailer at our website and on our Instagram. And you can also uh, learn about us more via the Peter Matheson Center website, which is mathesoncenter.org, um, where you'll see a bit of our trailer. Because beautifully, over the years, I ended up crossing paths with Daniela, uh, who cold called me having found the trailer. And, and she's fantastic. Indeed. And, <laughs> Thank you. And that crucially connected me with the Matheson family. When that feels so right, you right. know, Peter Matheson right. passed away in 2014, I believe. Yeah. But um, but now we've got the family weighing in on it, giving uh, giving it their attention and hosting us up here in this community. So to bring the whole story back to where it was written means the world to me as a writer. It so where right. where is the film? You're actively fundraising. Were you able to screen the film or is it still like was adapting what you screened? Was it like a documentary about making it is just pieces of it? Tell us what uh, folks got to see at the church yesterday. Well, we put together um, a few trips to Belize. We made a short um, sort of homage to the story, a, a scaled-down version of Far Tortuga, in order to prove to ourselves that we could film something as, as daring as this. This is all filmed on water in the true locations. It's it's sort of Can the... Can you talk uh, about the challenges of that, by the yeah. way, uh, technically, from a photographic standpoint? Yeah, well, there's, there's, a, there's an adage, you know, that in filmmaking you avoid the ABCs, which are animals, boats, and children. Um, so we had all of those creatures going on in our short film, and we were we built a boat, uh, squeezed some actors onto it, had three other boats uh, arranged around them, always drifting down this river, trying to align everything. And, uh, you know, to, to color it a bit, the, um, the real hero of that shoot 
was a young Belizean kid who was a genius boat captain who could just uh, turn these boats around, you know, with such uh, such finesse. But he only had one arm from a boating accident. Mm. So there's a great photo of our early uh, shooting days down there of a guy with three limbs steering four boats and smoking <laughs> a cigarette somehow. So it's relying on locals and indigenous folks in the area, you know, who really know the ecosystem that's they made up most of our crew on that short film was Belizeans, right? Right. So being able to to involve them and and follow their lead in the knowledge of the ecosystem, you know, is what makes what allows us to make a film that's fully immersive in a true environment with no use of green screens or any any of that uh, sort of um, aesthetic Magic, making technology. Yes. Yeah. Which, I mean, how did you navigate seasickness, or did you have to? We just get the seasickness. Yeah, you just do it. <laughs> That's the navigation. That's the throw, way. You throw up, yeah, this is the way. It's part throw of the up story. Throw the side and keep on going. Mm -hmm. All right, so what, would, what did you learn that was the most surprising? On that whole shoot, you know, personally, um, I can speak only personally to this, but I've been a writer my whole life. This was the first film that I ever directed, you know? The writing of the script was such, that's my creative process that I adore. But as soon as I was in a directing mode, I realized there's a bit of a cultishness about the celebration of directors. And for sure, you're in charge of the most important choices on the whole set. But what moved me is I was sitting on this boat and I was my role was to enable all our actors and technicians and crew members to do what they're good at. Right. And that was such an honor and a privilege to look around and realize I'm just managing other people's talents. I'm managing these characters' true histories. I'm just trying to lift everybody else up to do what they're skilled at. And that's really been one of the best privileges of my life to be trusted by so many crew members, you know, in order to help them do what they love. That's like a mark of a good director that you can allow people to do their job, you know, and kind of get out of everyone's way mm -hmm. and... Uh... Stay or lean. Yeah, well, you learn to love it when everybody does their yes. job. <laughs> so especially well. So, but dear, can you talk a little bit about uh, what you did for the film or have been doing? I mean, you guys are still shooting, right? We're working our way towards production. We're fundraising now to get this daring independent-style film off the ground because if we do it through a Hollywood system, we'll have to shoot it on green well, screens in L.A. Hopefully the event at Sag Harbor was helpful. I'm sure that yeah, may maybe... some great connections were made. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to hear it. Was it. A good, it was a good introduction uh, for Jack and the team to the community, for sure. Do you want to talk about putting this whole thing together? No, I mean, you know, I just, I met Jack last spring in Santa Fe. I knew we needed to collaborate with him. I mean, he's brilliant. Um, he's young. He adds like a whole fresh perspective to Peter's work. Peter would be thrilled that there's a young filmmaker out here, out in the world doing this, that cares so much. This was Peter's favorite book of his 33 that he wrote so it's a big mm. deal but putting the event together I mean it is it's a lot of work it's a lot of moving parts but again the team at the church is extraordinary to work with you yes know, they are they're really professional what were you doing down in Santa Fe oh I um you know just um did you go to meow there. did you go to meow wolf I never went. <laughs> never went <laughs> I was horseback riding instead maybe horseback I, riding is wonderful <laughs> yeah but no, um, so Jack's base there now. He is, Jack's also a whole oh. other interesting aspect is the protege of Cormac McCarthy, the late. Oh my God. Writer oh my Lord. There. Yeah. So Jack's now living One there. of my favorite post-apocalyptic books is The Road. Yeah, yeah. I, it, was, it, was, it was tough for me to, to see the film yes. after reading the book. Mm -hmm. Of course, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of suited to adaptation uh, compared to his other books because it's so linear. But I still. haven't read any of his other books. What should I read? Mm, the next one you ought to read, I would think, would be The Crossing. Okay, that was that was one of his favorites of his own. Is it also a post-apocalyptic kind of? It's pre-apocalyptic, but oh, it feels. Okay. But it feels like it's, <laughs> it's coming. All the same sentiments. Just like the year twenty twenty-three. Indeed. So, Badir, tell me more about growing up. On the islands, I, I'm I'm assuming you did. I did, yeah. I was born and raised in Cayman. It's home, so you know, home just feels like home. I think no matter where you are. So uh, what is so then? What is the, what do the states feel like? Uh, kind of home as well. I mean, we're an hour from Miami. We, you know, Caymanians are well traveled. Okay, and, and that's actually an interesting bit about um, the Turtling history and the seafaring history of, of the Caymanians. Please do talk about that if you don't mind. No, is that Caymanians were well traveled even back in the day. 
uh, when no one knew where the Cayman Islands were, not, not that many people still do, but because um, they would go on boats and they would visit all the major ports in the world and then they would always come back to this speck of sand in the Caribbean. And, and that's something that's pretty cool about being a Caymanian is that when you travel a lot to the States, the best part is always when you're flying back right. to the island and this little dot and you're just like, wow, how was I ah. born on this you know, rock, like how did that happen? You know, it's kind of like winning the lottery. So you gain a lot of love and experience um, for your for your island that you wouldn't otherwise have unless you traveled. Right. Yeah. I remember having yeah. that feeling when I visited uh, Montserrat, which is like a volcanic. I've been there, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, what a Just cool the, place. Oh yeah, super cool. I, had, I haven't been to Cayman. I've never you, been. Now you gotta come. I must. Yeah. yeah. I will, I'll be <laughs> we there. We all wanna be there now. All right, so can we talk a little bit about these people? The, the the last or the turtleman yeah of, uh, absolutely the yeah the the real joy and the real value of the book is that peter matheson being such an astute journalist uh, who was really far ahead of his time brought so much empathy to their complex lives right it's it's not popular these days to talk about um Killing the harvesting turtles. of turtles right. but you have to realize for the, people who live on a rock in the ocean it, it they have that same relationship that say native americans do to buffalo or right. you could even say that we do to cattle these days right, right? they're kind of the cows of the sea and they would right. wild harvest them which meant that they were in close emotional relationship with these creatures and they right. brought so much of the of the modern conservation knowledge that we have right Fortunately, the green turtle populations were saved, and it's partly because the the people who hunted them knew them better than any scientist. Right? And you'll hear that you'll hear that from American fishermen. Yeah, absolutely. when they when they talk about uh, limit catch limits and whatnot, and they'll say and they'll say you know the 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 laws do not reflect the actual populations and we know because we see them every day exactly you have to ask the people who are who are holding these creatures in their hands you know because when you're out there hunting anything you've got your mind all the time on what is your what is your prey thinking feeling and that's a form of empathy and, and are speaking. they and are they there because yes. i mean if you are surviving upon uh, an animal for for protein or or whatnot for sustenance yes it's not your end goal for them not to be there. Exactly. You'll you'll get to know them, and you come to take care of them, right? It becomes in that relationship of reliance and interdependence. You know, it generates so much uh, closeness and deep understanding, and that's something that Matheson was able to celebrate while still understanding that we need to we need to roll back our consumption of you know ocean right. life and things right. like that. So this is a very complex parable that. I know the film would be able to show an audience um, more options to think with. You know, we're not trying to preach one cause or another. Right. We're trying to just uh, bring stories of the of the true world, you know, in all its consequence to Americans, because I've always grown up here feeling that we're a little bit bereft of stories that are useful for the navigation of these difficult times. Right. Or, or, or stories that are colored in one way or another. Exactly. Yeah. So again, can you just uh, remind us where we can go if we'd like to support your film? Yeah. Uh, so follow us on Instagram at at Another World Entire, uh, or check out our website of the same name, or have a look at MathesonCenter.org, and it'll all lead you to the same place. We've got a nice uh, united little team on this deal. And that's M-A-T-T-H-I-E-S-S-E-N, Center.org. I'm Jennifer Daniela Kronmeyer of the Matheson Center, Jack Evans, and Badir Away. I'm Gianna Volpe. This was a very special, um, let's see, Movie Monday segment underwritten by Jennifer Benton. This is Bob Dylan. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love.
dream I got everything I wanted Nice 30-year jump forward in time here From 89 to 2019 Thought I could fly so I stepped off the golden Nobody cried Nobody even noticed I saw them standing right there Kinda thought they might care I had a dream Everything 
tide has changed Stars have given their okay The light of a thousand years They send And the pendulum It swings, oh yeah Time heals everything Is there Swing, it's gonna swing. Time's gonna heal, it's gonna heal everything. It's there when I call, I'm gonna call, call your name. It's everything. What is it without fear of time? Slow it down, gonna be just fine for me. The mercy's in your eyes And the pendulum, it swings, oh yeah Time heals everything, everything Is there when I call your name? It's everything Our very own Robert Bruy from right here on Long Island. This is Lenka, everything at once from the two record of 2011. As sly as a fox, as strong as an ox, as fast as a hare, as brave as a bear, as free as a bird, as neat as a word, as quiet as a mouse, as big as a house. As mean as a wolf, as sharp as a tooth, as deep as a bite, as dark as the night, as sweet as a song, as right as a wrong, as long as a road, as ugly as a toad, as pretty as a picture. Sweet as sugar and everything nice As old as time, as straight as a line As royal as a queen, as buzzed as a bee As stealth as a tiger, smooth as a glider Pure as a melody, pure as I wanna be
last one still stinging back on my mind. Spoon, uh, 2001, so a decade jump back in time to Girls Can Tell. This one's actually from Adventure Time. I'm going to lead you into the NPR news break with it. I just finished all of the Adventure Time uh, episodes that you can. Uh, so in love with the the romance between uh, Princess Bubblegum and what's her name? Uh, Marceline, the Vampire Queen. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is um, Olivia Olson uh, from the Adventure Time soundtrack. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM and PR Radio. Go in the garden. You'll find something waiting right there where you left it, lying upside down. When you finally find it, You'll see how it's faded The underside is lighter When you turn it around Everything stays Right where you left it Everything stays But it still changes Ever so slightly Daily and nightly In little ways When everything stays 
to the ocean the crystal tide is raising water's gotten higher as the shore washes out keep your eyes wide open even when the sun is blazing the moon controls the tide it could cause you to drown everything stays right where you left it All right, I get to give you 50 seconds of Smooth McGroove's The Adventure of Link Palace Temple theme. We'll be back. Yeah. 